ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to episode 110 of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon. Today's guest is Dr. Paul Knapper. Paul is a leading psychology expert and executive coach. After launching his career on Wall Street, he founded Performance Psychology, a Boston-based management psychology consultancy firm in 1998. Today, he helps leaders and senior teams at Fortune 500 companies, financial firms, nonprofits, universities, and startups increase their effectiveness by strengthening their agency. During the pandemic, he has been advising global organizations on how to stay grounded, healthy, and profitable. Now, he has a co-author for his book, The Power of Agency, and that co-author's name is Dr. Anthony Rao. Anthony is a cognitive behavioral therapist for over 20 years He was a pediatric psychologist at Boston Children's Hospital and an instructor at Harvard Medical School. In 1998, he opened a specialized private practice, and he's been a featured expert in documentaries and appears regularly as an expert commentator. Now, again, we're just going to be talking to Dr. Knapper today uh, about their book, The Power of Agency, The Seven Principles to Conquer Obstacles, Make Effective Decisions, and Create Life on your own terms. Now, what I love about this is they they tackle a term that a lot of people use today, but not a lot of people really know what it means, and that's agency. So as we go through this discussion, we're going to learn a little bit more about what agency is, what it really means to you, how it can impact your leadership, and we're going to have a great discussion around all of those things. So with that, I'm going to shut up, get out of the way, and let you listen to this outstanding interview with Dr. Paul Knapper. Dr. Knapper, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Earl. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited by this. I, I have, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, some folks fancy themselves as kind of like a, a, a legal aficionado watching Law and Order and all that kind of good stuff. And some uh, folks consider themselves kind of a detective aficionado watching all the NCIS stuff. I consider myself kind of like a psychological aficionado, so I love uh, being able to talk to people in that realm, and uh, so I'm really excited by this because I love the way the human brain works and processes information, and I think you and and your co-author, Dr. Rayo, do a good job of highlighting some of those things in your book, mentioned in the pre-roll bio, uh, The Power of Agency, so again, just thank you for being on the show, and I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. 
Well, thanks. I'm looking forward to it myself. Well, I'll tell you what, from that standpoint, let me go ahead and start you off with the very first question I ask all my guests. For somebody like you, when you hear the phrase burden of command, what does that mean to you? Well, well, first, some brief brief context. I work with leaders uh, you know, primarily, and so I, when I heard that, when I see that expression, I think immediately of what leaders are responsible for. So, you know, I've occasionally heard people say, you know, what does a CEO actually do, you know, day in, day out? Um, and, you know, what makes that job worth so much money and um, how challenging really is it? And, it, and how I've always answered that question is it's not exactly what they do, it's what they're responsible for, um, which is everything. And, you know, leaders in other roles, you know, not simply CEOs, are also responsible for a lot. And that places um, an enormous burden on them. Uh, at, at the same time, it, it gives them quite an opportunity to demonstrate uh, their capabilities. So when I hear that expression, you know, I that's the first thing I think about is responsibility and and what are you accountable for? Mm. No, I like that. I like that a lot because it's true. You know, as, as you rise through those ranks, it becomes less about doing the thing and more about making sure the thing gets done and the people doing it are being taken care of, right? Right, ex exactly. It's it's and in some ways that's why it takes so much skill because you're not as you said, you're not doing it yourself, but it, you have to ensure it's getting done and it's getting done to a high enough standard so that you're meeting expectations of uh, you know, who you work for, right? Your board of directors or your shareholders or so it's it's not just just what you do, but literally what you're responsible for, and um, that's what makes the job so 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 very challenging. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Well, as I mentioned before, uh, you were co-author of a book uh, with your friend uh, Dr. Anthony Rayo, and it's titled "The Power of Agency: The Seven Principles to Conquer Obstacles, Make Effective Decisions." and create a life on your own terms. Now, there's a word in there that gets used a lot, and it's getting used a lot more lately, and that's agency. And in my experiences, not a lot of people are really comfortable with understanding what agency truly is. So let's start there so we have kind of a common starting place. What is agency? It's a great place to start. Um, Agency, and as you, as you pointed out, Earl, it is you're seeing the word agency a lot more frequently and hearing it much more, and, and that's for a, a very particular reason. Um, agency is our capacity as humans to make sense of our situation and make decisions and act on those decisions. So it's essentially our agency that allows us to make choices that bring about what it is we're trying to do in our lives, whether that's advance in our careers, whether that's uh, you know lead a business and make the business successful, whether that's about uh, you know setting up a life that is is meaningful uh, and, and, and a family, uh, whatever it is that 
you are interested in and you value uh, and you want to create in your life, it is your your agency, your personal agency, which is the thing that's operating behind the scenes uh, inside of you that allows you to actually bring that to life and create it. So it sounds to me like before you can get started down that path of, of you know, taking control of your agency and, and making those decisions like what you were talking about, it requires a fairly high level of introspection so you can understand who you are to be able to take agency, right? Well, what it requires, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good way to describe it, but what, what agency does require we found through uh, doing some research on this and and talking to a wide variety of of people who who have a, who have high levels of agency um, is that for us as people to have a healthy level of agency, certain things need to be true. Certain things need to be in balance and present within us, and so. My colleague and I are both psychologists. Um, we both have decades of experience helping people to realize their life goals. And we, in studying this situation, um, you know, why we came to study this situation is that in the United States, what a lot of people aren't aware of is that we started, we have been over the past few decades experiencing a real crisis in levels of anxiety. Uh, and this has been bubbling up and, and to the surface for, for, as I said, for several decades. We wanted to understand why are people so anxious in the United States? What is it that's driving that? I mean, we literally have 20% of the U.S. population, uh, adult population, being diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. That's pretty much a, you know, an epidemic in, in its own right. So we found that what is driving a lot of this is a struggle to adapt to, to a world that is changing very rapidly on a number of fronts. And so we frame this situation really as in many ways an adaptive crisis. And, it, you know, it, and you can frame it in a more positive way and say it's an adaptive challenge um, because it certainly is. And um, we, we, we grow and develop through uh, coping with uh, adversity as people. So agency comes into play because it is our, 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 our level of personal agency that allows us to adapt to whatever situation we find ourselves in. And so what we found as psychologists is there's certain building blocks of human agency that aren't related necessarily to education or to your resume, uh, to where you grew up, um, but there's certain things, certain kinds of personality uh, traits or ways actually of thinking and behaving in the world that actually allow people to have higher levels of agency and to meet the challenges of th this current kind of adaptive crisis that we all find ourselves in. Mm. Well, and I think that's, that's key right now, right? You, the, that adaptability piece, because if, you know, the COVID crisis has showed us anything, uh, it's that we have to be, uh, more, whatever word you want to use, uh, you know, a lot of people will say agile, flexible, adaptable. They all pretty much mean the same thing. But, you know, it sounds to me like this, this idea of, of 
having a deeper sense of, of your agency and, and control over that, uh, it really sets you up to kind of weather these types of storms, right? That's, that's very true. Yes. It, it, it's, 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 uh, agency is, I like to say agency is probably the most important thing you've never heard about. Um, because as you said, Earl, most people have not, or aren't that familiar with, with the concept. But in fact, if you look into it, if you, if you, if you go on uh, Wikipedia and, and you just, uh, Google human agency, and you read the definition in Wikipedia, you'll see it's a topic that has been studied for decades by philosophers, sociologists, psychologists, um, and because it's, it's, it, 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 it cuts right to the core of what it is to be a human being and our capacity to act in the world uh, to create positive uh, things. So, um, as you mentioned, you know, the, the, the ability to adapt is completely dependent on our level of, of, of human agency, because we have to, when, when, by definition, when you're trying to adapt to a new challenge, a new situation, uh, there's no playbook, really. I mean, you, you're, you, it, it's your capacity to learn, to understand, and to make good choices in the moment that actually allow you uh, to uh, succeed. Um, and so we write about this in our book and say, you know, there's, there, there are basically several key things that all relate to how you, you know, certain ways of behaving and certain ways of thinking that allow you to maximize the level of agency that you have. And, and again, this is not related to um, what school you went to or what your GPA was, which is why, you know, it's perplexing because you see people in all walks of life, in all professions, um, who don't necessarily have the fanciest credentials. They, 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 they didn't go necessarily to uh, the best schools or get the best GPA. Some of them didn't even go to college. Um, and yet they're high agency people and they make a mark on the world. And so, you know, we often forget that because, you know, we've moved into a, a, a sort of a, a world of, you know, where, where credentials seem to matter more and more every year. But there's things that matter so much more than, uh, you know, people's resumes and, and, and their, 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 their academic experience. And that's what we wanted to get to. So as psychologists, basically, we wanted to write a book that's kind of like an owner's manual for how the human uh, mind, body work. And, you know, in a, in a sort of synergistic way, you know, together um, to allow us to adapt and to prosper. And so that's what we wrote. And, you know, we, 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 had, we started out with a whole bunch of different things that were important, and we were able to fit those things into, you know, kind of simplify and define those things and, and, and put them into a framework that makes it very accessible to, to people and, and sort of comprehensible to people. So, so that's really what the book is about. And it's, it's, again, it's all about this sort of timeless concept of of agency because it is the thing that you take with you wherever wherever you go and it is your capacity to um 
to access that, to access your agency in, in, in any situation you happen to find yourself in that will allow you to uh, get yourself through the situation. Mm. Yeah, no, and, and I like what you said there because, you know, what's really interesting is is you're right. We've moved more and more towards uh, – most of the workforce has moved more and more towards uh, those credentials uh, and, and that being who the person is. Uh, but one of the things that we do here at the Leadership Phalanx is we, we do a kind of a course uh, with companies on um, mitigating – uh, biases in the hiring process. And, and through our research on that, what we found out is some of your higher end companies, uh, like your Googles and your Amazons and, and a lot of your bigger tech companies, like they've pretty much stopped looking at those credentials. They, they put a lot more weight on what most people consider soft skills, such as, you know, adaptability. And I'm sure, uh, you know, if we looked, we'd see that agencies probably in there, um, you know, but they, they place more of a, uh, an emphasis on these soft skills, because as we're talking about here with, with adaptability, um, you know, sure, you've got a, a PhD in computer science today, but, you know, computer science is, is ever evolving in two to three years, you know, that degree is not what it was when you were hired. How can you adapt? How can you keep going? How can you keep, um, how can you keep up with, your chosen field, and by the way, how can you work in a team where everybody else is doing the same thing? And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like the more and more you unpack, you know, agency and the adaptability piece, it seems to me like that may be kind of like the magic sauce that that really helps people operate in that type of environment. Well, well it really is. It, it is it, it, it is basically our capacity to uh, marshal all of our resources, our internal resources, um, and bring those resources to bear on the situations we find ourselves in. And that, that is agency. And, um, and that is what businesses need, because as you put it, um, you know, in uh, whether you're a computer scientist, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, you're a lawyer, whether you're, you know, a, a financial uh, professional, um, you know, it's your capacity to, you know, to do things with what you know. It's not necessarily just what you know, because at this point in time, you know, Google knows everything. You can, you can Google anything, you, you can get information um, on any topic, and you can go as deep as you want. Uh, but it's your capacity to do something useful with that information that is the that's what matters today. Mm -hmm. So you know, it used to be that 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 having access to knowledge was the thing. Okay, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, but today, um, information is plentiful. We it, it, it's there. But the capacity to do do something really uh, creative and useful is is again what i think most businesses are looking for um, and it's what we all need to be doing in our lives is is to know how to access information how to learn um, and then figure out what do we do with that information to kind of create what it is we're trying to to create in our lives well yeah and, and i really hope that that's kind of the silver lining to to this uh, COVID crisis is 
you know, and I don't know if you all ran into this same thing, but again, doing what we do, one of the biggest obstacles to change and adapt adaptability in an organization is that, well, this is the way we've always done it mindset. Well, COVID really blew that away, right? We, nobody can sit back and say, well, you know, we can't telework. We can't do this. We can't do that because this is the way we've always done it. Because just about every single industry uh, out there, every sector, every type of business has really had to hit a reset button and change uh, everything about how they operate. So there's no more, this is the way we've always done it. Everybody gets a chance to come back to their organizations and start the way they really, the way they say they wished it could be, right? That that That's right. I mean, it, it, COVID created uh, an adaptive uh, crisis in its own right. And people needed to, uh, most people have not been through uh, a pandemic before, of course. Uh, people needed to uh, dive in and learn about what is it, what does it mean to be in a global pandemic? Um, you know, what exactly is a coronavirus and why does it matter? Um, so people had to do a lot of learning. Then they had to make decisions based on what they've learned. And, oh, by the way, the learning was evolving, right? It was, a, it was, a, it was an evolving kind of uh, story uh, that we found ourselves in. So, uh, you know, some people did better at that than others, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would argue that some of the people who did the least well were the people who, who didn't have a, a, a strong capacity to learn. They, they somehow got, they stumbled right at the starting gate uh, didn't know where to turn to for good information, uh, weren't able to kind of bring themselves along and learn um, some of the most fundamentally important aspects of what a pandemic implies and how it works. And so, you know, it's, 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 it is, you know, like in any kind of emergent crisis, you know, the first order of business is to assess the situation and uh, try to understand it better. And what does it what, what does it mean? What are its implications? Um, and what, if anything, do I need to do about it? Um, and so the people who did best with COVID were the ones who got right to work doing that. Um, and, and I saw businesses, my business clients, uh, most of them did a phenomenal job of rolling up their sleeves and figuring out what, is it, what does this mean, making some quick decisions to adapt, uh, to keep their employees healthy. Um, so, you know, it is, um, you know, but all of that requires, you know, behind the scenes, it requires human agency to be in operation. And, you know, you mentioned this idea of assumptions a minute ago, um, checking on your assumptions. And one of the skills that relates to agency that uh, is in the book, uh, we talk about uh, as one of the one of the, the the critical components, is a capacity to be more flexible in your thinking, to be more flexible in uh, in terms of in terms of uh, checking your assumptions, um, and being willing to challenge those assumptions and let them go, if. Um, if they no longer prove to hold true, um, because as things evolve, um, our assumptions need to evolve. 
as do some of our beliefs about how things work. So you, you mentioned Earl a minute ago, companies often say, well, this is how we've always done it. Well, you know, that, that, that's all fine and good, of course. And I'm sure it was helpful at one point in time, but you can't assume that the, the, the same way that you once did things will uh, help you uh, to the same degree in the future, you know, it, it may, or it may, it may not, you may need to change things. So we're trying to get people, um, people who have higher levels of agency are more flexible. Um, they learn uh, better. They, they, they find ways to learn. We talk about this in the book as well, how to learn better, how to maximize your capacity to learn. Um, people with higher levels of agency also, uh, manage their emotions and beliefs differently than people who have low levels of agency. What I mean by that is, you know, human beings, you know, for better or for worse, we are first and foremost um, emotional beings before we're thinking beings. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we have to wade through our, our, our feelings uh, oftentimes as part of, or sometimes before, we engage our thinking processes. So, um, so the people that have higher levels of agency, they understand that, at least intuitively, and they understand how to manage their emotions so that they don't circumvent their higher order thinking skills. Um, and, you know, and, and the most advanced people with high levels of agency, they actually use their emotions as a source of data to help them with their thinking. They factor their emotional reaction sometimes in to um, how they assess a situation because they, and, and use it appropriately as a source of data as they think through and make uh, choices. Um, so, you know, people who are led around too much by their emotions um, oftentimes um, you know, these, these days, given the complexity of, of the, the challenges we face, um, people who, who don't manage their emotions well, um, oftentimes don't make the best choices. And so we, we, we go into, we, we go into quite some detail in the book about how to do this better, how, how the role that emotions play, uh, the role of critical thinking, how, important it is to be able to learn how to think more critically, challenge your assumptions, challenge some of your pre-existing beliefs um, so that you can adapt more effectively um, by making better choices. So at, at the end of the day, the, the, the big thing about agency is it is our capacity to make choices. Uh, that's what defines us as, as human beings. It, it, you know, it, I, I often say we really are the sum total of all the decisions we make over mm -hmm. the course of our lives, right? Big and small. Uh, obviously, the bigger, bigger choices, bigger decisions matter more than the smaller ones. Uh, but you know, we, 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 our capacity for dis to make decisions is oftentimes not really zeroed in on enough. Um, I think as um, as people, you know, that that you know, because at the end of the day, we all have to make decisions. And how we do that is incredibly important, especially, you know, if the decision itself is an important, is an important high stakes decision. So yet we don't focus enough on that. 
Um, and so we wrote this book to help people, you know, to understand how to just how to do that better in in the course of their lives. Yeah, no, I love it, and it's it's a great book, and I love the way that you you broke it down into these, uh, you know, the these seven chapters, each chapter uh, uh, with a principle uh, and an idea. Um, and, and, you know, I love what you just said about decisions and, and being comfortable with them. Cause you know, I'm the guy, you know, everybody always asks like, is there something that you would change about your life? Nope. Nothing. Nope. What about, you know, your grandfather passing away? No, that was a learning experience. Would I love to have him here today? Sure. But I wouldn't have the lessons I learned from dealing with that. And I wouldn't be who I am right now without that stuff. So yeah, I love that idea that you, that you all share here because I always think that's kind of a trap question is, you know, what is one thing you would change about your life? I I don't I don't think anybody should I don't think anybody should really want to change much about their life. Obviously, if there's something that sent them down a dark path or something maybe. But, you know, the these experiences and these decisions like you said, there's so much value there. I think the question sometimes is, would we change that that happened or would we change how we handled what happened? Um, now, th the other thing I want to ask you here before we get into the book, okay, and because and up until this point, you know, we, we've talked very glowingly about agency, but I got to ask a question. Is there a point where, is there a point where agency can, like too much agency can become bad can somebody get kind of cocky with agency <laughs> that's a great that's a great question uh, well let me put it this way uh, you know if you, you read through the literature on the topic of agency you, you you see that you know we've been talking about agency in a more general uh way we haven't really been talking about something uh called moral agency and you know, this idea that there is a right and wrong. And so, you know, agency could run amok if someone is, say, for example, uh, a criminal and has no conscience and, 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 and also, but, but also is a high functioning, high agency individual. So, you know, and we've seen some characters like that in history, right? We've seen some, you know, highly successful, and there's movies about some of those people like right. John Dillinger and, you know, um, so, so, you know, yes, it's possible that you uh, could be a high agency person and be an evil person. Um, you know, uh, generally, this is a small, small percentage of the human population, um, of course, but so, but it does exist. I mean, evil does exist and, uh, you know, high, high level, high agency, you know, bad people, there are some of them in the world and we do need to not be gullible to those people, um, which, you know, again, we, on another topic, you know, gullibility has become a huge problem where people in the world today aren't, skeptical enough at times, um, which, you know, is another completely separate topic. Uh, but, you know, uh, so it is important when, if you are a high agency person, to have, have a reasonable amount of skepticism and question things. Um, because there are, and we talk about this actually in the book, there's a section in the book where we talk about uh, people who, uh, you know, con artists who um, 
are very persuasive and are very charismatic and they can talk you into uh, doing things that you otherwise wouldn't do things that are probably not a good idea um, and we talk about how to use agency your own agency to help you uh, see that you know spot that you know kind of sooner uh, and not fall fall prey to it uh, but no it's a it's a really it's a really good point um, and something I don't get often asked so that was a great that was a great question Earl hey no not a problem glad, glad to ask the tough questions <laughs> so um... Let's let's get into the book here for a second because you got a lot of great information here, and uh, you'd always like to share just enough to get people interested in in going out and grabbing the book, and I think that's what uh, you all should do here because there's a lot of good information here. Uh, but the first principle, you will, is in uh, chapter one, a clear head, and the principle is control stimuli. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. So the the very first agency principle we call control stimuli, as you said, the capacity to control stimuli directly relates to your ability um, to to minimize distraction in your life and to maximize focus. Uh, we live in a world of of, of uh, unending information, unending stimuli. There is 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 you know so much. Uh, to distract us, so much stimulation out there, and it's a great thing. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love being exposed to new things, and uh, but we do need to um, not overstimulate our brains because uh, our brains don't function best when they are in a scattered overstimulated, distracted state. So we need to learn how to um, just monitor and uh, control the amount of, of stimuli that we allow uh, to enter into our brains if we want our brains to function optimally. So, and a lot of people, you know, this is an issue for a lot of people these days, you know, they, they get themselves really worn out by overstimulating their brain. And part of that is, is you know, one way to guard against it is simply to have a little more, have some downtime, some technology-free downtime in your life where you are taking a walk and you're thinking about things, you're reflecting on things, or you're simply uh, sitting by yourself reflecting on situations. The capacity to reflect, to just have time where you're not doing anything is uh, a really useful uh, thing to incorporate into your life, and people, you know, people who are making high stakes decisions, senior level leaders, uh, you know, oftentimes tell me that this is one of their greatest challenges: is simply to, uh, you know, uh, take some time out to reflect on what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're dealing with, uh, because oftentimes when they do that, some of their best ideas. Uh, occur. So uh, for all of us, we just, you know, again, that's, I don't need to belabor the point. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. We talk a lot about uh, how to do this. And um, so, but, you know, we talk about, you know, there's a lot of junk information, obviously. um, And we, it's kind of akin, I look at it as kind of akin to junk food. You know, if you feed yourself too much junk food, um, you know, you're going to feel horrible and your energy level is going to be affected. 
you know, your mood will be affected, everything will be affected. But the same token, if you're, if, if you're indiscriminate in, the, in, in sort of the amount of information you take in and you, you're, you're bringing a lot of junk information into your brain, it's also going to interfere with your, your, your brain functioning optimally. So this very first principle is we call control, control stimuli. Yeah, well, no, as you were talking there, it, it hit me, you know, because you're talking about when, when people finally do uh, kind of give themselves that downtime, that's usually when they have their best ideas. Well, that's what I've read is kind of why, you know, the kind of stereotypical, you know, I have my best ideas when I'm I'm in the shower or when I'm taking a bath or, you know, whatever your mode of cleanliness is. It's kind of the same thing there, right? You, you're giving yourself that that reflective time mainly because you have to, because if you believe in hygiene, you got to take the time to to clean yourself. But you're, you're, you also, and sadly, technology is starting to invade this space now too, but you kind of have to disconnect to get that task done. And people tend to have better ideas in the shower, right? Well, it's exactly right. Uh, there's one chapter in the book um, that relates to one of the agency principles, which we call uh, check your intuition. And intuition is a, a very human thing. It's, 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 it's how our brains are wired. Our brains are actually wired to be able to engage in intuitive thought, which is really about making connections. It's about, it's about, it's about connecting sometimes uh, disparate things together. And, and, and to a, into a creative new whole. What a lot of people don't realize is most of the ways that we tend to think as people involve intuition. And the other thing is that intuition functions best uh, when we have some amount of quiet, reflective time in order to fully engage our intuition, which is, as you pointed out, sometimes when you're taking a shower. And I would argue that for a lot of people, uh, the reason why they say, oh, I sometimes have my best ideas when I'm taking a shower is because that's the only time in their day that they're actually, you know, not doing something that they need to really be uh, focusing mental energy on, you know, when you're in the shower, you're kind of in a relaxed state and you don't have to, you don't have to think about it all that much. Or when people are driving their cars, sometimes people will say, I get some of my best ideas when I'm just driving. Um, so what that means is that you can actually control that, right? You can actually create more moments in your life, like being in the shower or like taking a, a drive, um, where you actually have access to, better access to your intuitive capabilities. And we, we talk in that chapter of, of the book um, about how to develop your sense of intuition, your capacity to engage in intuition, because it is so central to how we function as people. And it's and intuition is widely misunderstood. You know, for some people, it's kind of like a hocus pocus horoscope like thing, which it really is not, that's not it at all. There are, there are several different types of intuition, and each type has its uses, and each type can be developed, learned and developed more fully um, to help in your decision making. And for a lot of people, that's a huge um, insight when they, when they understand how intuition works, how to develop it more because it actually does it, it actually does improve the quality of 
of your decision making. And, and it relates pretty directly to the first principle about controlling stimuli. Because if you literally are exposing yourself, bombarding your brain with stimuli 24 seven, uh, your intuitive capability is gonna be interrupted. And that's gonna uh, show up in the quality of your decision making. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so, yeah, so I, I like that, you know, and, and, and people listening, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and just put it. You got doctor's orders here. Go find ways to unplug and and relax and let your intuition run wild and, and see what happens. Um, but kind of on that same note here, uh, what I like is uh, cause I'm a big fan of of the Stoics. And so I love number five. Uh, the chapter title is Stable and Grounded, and the principle is Manage Your Emotions and Beliefs. And I know, you know, my listeners here, they, they've heard me say this quote a few times, but there's a, a great quote by uh, Epictetus. It says, men are disturbed not by things, but the view of which they take of them. And I, I that resonated with me so much through this chapter, Manage Your Emotions and Your Beliefs. And I think people really miss uh, misunderstand uh, how much control we can have over our emotions and our beliefs, right? Yeah, that that's right. I mean, I, I, again, we are. We mentioned this earlier in the, in today's uh, talk. Uh, we are emotional creatures, and how we uh, experience our emotions, understand our emotions, and act on them uh, has a gr- has has a great deal of influence on the kinds of lives we create for ourselves. And so, in this chapter, in this principle of agency, uh, it's vital to uh, a high level of agency to to in some ways have your emotions and not let your emotions have you as in have control, complete control over you. And so what we talk about is, you know, how how ideally should emotions operate in a human being? You know, in a in a high agency human being, um, emotions should come and they should go. You should experience an emotion um, if it, because we experience feelings all the time, each and every day, you know, many feelings every hour of the, of every day. Uh, most feelings are not designed to hold on to for long and 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 act on. Most feelings come and go, and that's a, a very healthy thing. Um, for feelings that tend to recur, that stick around, we some we do need to pay more attention to those and try to understand what's at play here. Why am I feeling this? What does it mean? Uh, is there something I need to do? about this feeling I'm having. Um, so in a healthy functioning, high functioning human being, um, we can put a name to what we're feeling. And the more specifically we can we can define a feeling, the better off we are. Because when we do that, we can actually then better decipher what is it what does it actually mean that I'm feeling this? Is it just, oh, that's kind of interesting and just let it go? Or you know, because it relates to something that happened 20 years ago, or it's is it something that's highly relevant to something going on right now in the immediate moment that needs my attention? So people who have high levels of agency 
you know, they learn how to have a certain amount of emotional intelligence. And there's a ton of stuff being written on emotional intelligence and uh, various kinds of um, uh, instruments to measure it. And But basically, it's this idea of being able to identify what you're feeling and in the moment and to understand what does it mean and 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 what what if anything do I need to do about it? Um, related to emotions uh, are beliefs, and in human beings, um, again, being the intuitive creatures, the feeling creatures we are, we operate based largely on beliefs, um, and beliefs we argue in the book are sort of like. Uh, our, our our internal GPS system, they're designed to be, beliefs are designed to be navigational aids. They're shortcuts really sort of for us to navigate, you know, more, uh, more quickly. Um, but beliefs have limitations. And the primary one being beliefs sometimes aren't always accurate. They're not always, they're not always updated based on the latest information. So if you're a computer scientist, for example, um, and as you pointed out, Earl, it's a constantly evolving field. If you're operating based on a, on beliefs about you know um, a Microsoft program from 20 years ago, how that worked, um, you know your your belief is outdated. It's no longer uh, going to be that useful to you today. And so what we argue is people with higher levels of agency, they're willing to question their beliefs. They're willing to hold up their beliefs and scrutinize them. And as they learn more, uh, they update those beliefs if they need to, if it's necessary to. Now we contrast beliefs to values. You know, values tend to be unchanging. Um, so people, if I ask you what your top five, you know, values are, the things you value in life, people often say integrity and um, you know, reliability and, you know, things like that. Those things tend to be unchanging. Our, our personal values tend to be unchanging, but our beliefs should not be fixed. They should also evolve as we learn and grow as, as people. And that's a real limitation because some people uh, have a hard time with that. They don't, they don't update their beliefs. Their beliefs are fixed and people who have highly fixed, rigid belief systems uh, oftentimes uh, don't make the best decisions. Uh, and so we focus a lot on this area of how we manage our emotions, how we also manage our beliefs. And it's a, a huge opportunity area for a lot of people to just you know, get better at that. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. And that's why I like, again, that you started off with the uh, control stimuli because I think most people are are woefully uh, ill prepared to deal with how the stimuli around them affect those emotions. Uh, you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, kind of the system one and system two thinking. Uh, you know, kind of Daniel Kahneman's work there in, in thinking fast and slow. Uh, great book. I love that. I love the things he highlights, but. You know, there's a colleague of his, uh, are you familiar with uh, John Barge? No, I'm not actually. Uh, so he he does a lot of this type of, of work um, really around priming, right? And and what st how stimuli primes our minds. And, uh, you know, he's done all kinds of interesting experiments that, you know, show that stimuli such as, you know, the temperature of the beverage that you're drinking, 
uh, influences how you view, you know, say a job can, a, a job applicant uh, during an interview process. Uh, he worked with some studies. Um, I want to say it was a Harvard admittance uh, review where, like, the weather outside uh, during the uh, <laughs> during the discussions uh, had a direct impact on the likelihood of that uh, that individual getting admitted or not. Uh, into Harvard. Um, and so, you know, the the point is, is we have all this stimuli around us and we just don't fully understand that, you know, especially with LED lights, for instance, coming into play, you know, the, the color of the LED light uh, can impact our emotions and how we view things around us. And so what I like bringing all this together, and again, listeners, these are only a few uh, of the seven principles, you know, but when you tie this stuff together and you kind of look at the neuroscience behind how the, the brain works, you know, these principles are, they're, they're outstanding and really uh, provide a nice foundation for, for really taking a deeper look at your life and how to put things in a little bit better order and get a, a much better sense of agency. So, I think uh, I think you and Dr. Rayo did a great job uh, putting this book together, and I just want to thank both of you right now for uh, for writing it and putting it on bookshelves. Oh well, thanks so much for saying that, Earl. It's uh, it was a it was really a lot of fun writing the book, and again, we we set out to write a book that we thought would be you know, kind of an owner's manual for for human beings in in the twenty first century uh, to help people to adapt to what lies ahead. Because you know we're just getting started in this in this century, and the challenges that we will face as as people, uh, whether you know in business, whether in science, whether in medicine, whatever whatever field you work in, or simply as human beings, how we live, you know we're going to be faced with other adaptive crises um, during this century. Um, so the COVID pandemic was just you know, kind of for openers. And we want to arm people with a high level of human agency to help them adapt uh, in in the 21st century and beyond, because it is our capacity to adapt uh, that will ensure our, our, our health and ongoing uh, prosperity as people. I agree 100%. Uh, well, Paul, we've been talking here for about 48 minutes or so, it looks like, uh, and this has been an outstanding conversation. I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. Uh, but before we work to close out, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that you really want to leave the listeners with? Well, there's a ton of things, and I just, I'll just reference something you mentioned a moment ago uh, on priming, which relates to... Um, the area of human bias and you know we the bottom line is we all could be better decision makers um and if we work on it um and we all can we 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 actually can learn a great deal about how to eliminate uh many of the common kinds of biases that uh have affected human beings you know over the centuries um so you know, if you read this book on agency, you'll learn, you know, how to keep your your mind and your body in good running condition, so that 
you know, you make better quality decisions and are able to create whatever it is you're trying to create in your life. So, um, so I'll just leave you with that positive thought. Um, and I want to thank you, Earl, for having me. And you can learn more about the book on powerofagency.com is our website. Uh, you can learn a lot more about some of the, the, the various principles there. There's a mini, a very mini test you can take uh, as well. Um, so uh, again, thanks so much, Earl, for having me and for asking such great questions today. No, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, listeners, uh, again, the power of agency, the seven principles to conquer obstacles, make effective decisions, and create a life on your own terms by my guest, Dr. Paul Knapper, and his friend, uh, Dr. Anthony Rayo. Uh, well, again, thank you for giving out the, the website there. Um, I'll make sure I get that in the show notes so folks can find uh, find things easier. Is that a good way for them to uh, get a hold of uh, you fine gentlemen? Should they want you to come work in their uh, organization, come speak at a, a gig? Is that a good place for them to find Absolutely. out? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great place. Yeah, they can reach us through our website. Okay. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, folks, go grab a copy of this book. Um, I promise it's going to help you. Uh, it's going to help your organizations. And uh, yeah, it's going to help with the adaptability. We talked about all that. It's going to help with decision making. And uh, it's going to be a great reference. Uh, so, so get yourself a copy and uh, visit uh, visit the website. Like I said we'll have that in the links. And uh, again, thank you for spending the time this afternoon with uh, myself and my listeners, Dr. Knapper. Well, thanks so much for having me, Earl. I really enjoyed it. I, me as well. I loved it. I loved it. I think we could probably, uh, I, I kind of geek out over the neuroscience stuff, so we could have probably done another two hours on that, but uh, we'll close it down for now. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much again. Yes, sir. And listeners, thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, burden.command at gmail.com. Uh, any ideas for shows, topics, guests, just uh, send those there. Uh, keep sharing, rating, reviewing, uh, and doing all of those things for the podcast to help it keep growing. I really appreciate y'all doing what you've done so far. Just keep that magic rolling. And with that, I look forward to speaking with y'all again in the next episode. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.